Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. And the word of God is being fulfilled, you know, and the, who knows, you know, it's like saying like, almost like prophecies come in spirals, you know, and, and um, you know, I remember when I first came to the Lord, there was a lot of activity in Israel. There was that 1973, there was a war there, the last Arab-Israeli war took place, and it was, it was almost like, you know, I remember in Bible school, we would be, I'd be shaking in my chair, just anticipating the the end of the world, World War III, the coming of the Lord, and all of that. And um, it seems that we're, again, back in another one of those seasons again. Amen. And um, if you haven't been watching the news, when, when you start, you start, read the book of Ezekiel, yes. read some of the prophecies in Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and start to think about, you know, maybe I'm, I'm probably, I should, maybe I should share about some of those things this Wednesday. I'll look at start looking at some of that stuff for this Wednesday, but you start thinking about, start thinking about where we are, and there's a very clear, unmistakable alliance in, in the book of Ezekiel in the last days, an alliance that's aimed at attacking the land of Israel, and it's with Russia and Iran and Syria and some of those other Middle Eastern nations. Um, and there's a, a, a clear war that breaks out, and it, from the appearance of the, of the prophecies, it seems as if it's a nuclear war that breaks out, an alliance between the nations of the world. And it's, it's, those, those alliances, are, they've been in place, but they're becoming more defined. And um, so, so what, should, what does that mean to us? That means, it, it means get your, get your stuff in order. <laughs> Get your business sorted out. If there's compromise in your life, stop doing it. Get, take care of your life. Get yourself clean before the Lord. Make peace with God. And, 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 and do what you can to influence other people with their spiritual, their spiritual decisions. We live in a very fragile time. Yesterday, my, my wife and I were going for a bike ride, and we have to, there's, they're doing work on the levee near where we live, so we have to cut through. Hollygrove to get to where the bike path is. That's where we have to go now to get through there until somebody, someone can talk to the Army Corps of Engineers, tell them to hurry up and finish, quit tearing up the levee, then we'll be okay. But, I, you know, we have to go through, the, through Hollygrove. So we did yesterday, and they were having a funeral in Hollygrove. Um, some 11-year-old girl, I think it was a girl or boy, little girl, little girl got killed, random shooting. Um, and people are nuts. Drugs just destroyed our society, absolutely destroying our society. And, and the solution is not a, a political campaign. The solution is a spiritual awakening for people to, to go back to church and to turn their hearts back to God and to repent of their sins, to live a godly life. It's the only way our country is going to turn. It's the only way. There has to be an awakening. And it happens. It seems it happens about every 40 years. We're due for a great... You know, we've had, we've had renewals and outpourings and the church has been awakened, but it's, it's time for our culture to be affected once again yeah. with a great harvest and a generation to come to Christ and for true repentance to take place. It's gonna, it's gonna, I believe it's going to happen. So anyway, I want to start today. I'm going to read a passage out of Deuteronomy 33. And um, I had a very interesting thing happen to me last Sunday night as I was um, 
I was reading the Bible just before service and looking at this scripture reference, and I picked up a commentary to look at this scripture as a scripture reference from somewhere in the New Testament. And I picked up this commentary that Dick Mills had given me by John Trapp, and it was, and he referenced another verse, and the verse was um, one that I'd never, I'd never noticed before. You know, I've read the Bible a lot in the last 40 years. I've read the Old Testament a lot, I've read the New Testament a lot, but I, I had, no matter how many times I'd read this particular passage, I did not remember that this verse was even there, and I thought it must have been translated differently or weirdly that I couldn't understand it, so I went back and looked. And of course, it was exactly the way John Trapp had quoted it. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read this portion to you, and you're going to, I'm going to pick out to you that passage that I'd never seen before. Deuteronomy 33, it's the, this, this takes place right before Moses died. He's getting ready to go on to his eternal reward. He's ready to die, and he's, he's run his race. He's finished his course. And how many of you guys know that Moses had seen lots of stuff in his life? I mean, Moses had seen stuff. He had seen stuff that nobody else has ever seen before. Moses encountered God. He encountered resistance. He brought down empires. He, he experienced all sorts of supernatural things in his life. And this is the end of his life, and he's blessing the children of Israel, blessing the tribes. And here's what he bl- prophesied over Joseph's tribe. He said, blessing, bless, Deuteronomy 33, 13, blessed of the Lord is his land. And with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things, with the the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him or the pleasure of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph. And on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. Now this verse, when I saw it last week, it was like I saw it for the first time. And it, it really, really stood out to me. The reason it stood out to me is because here Moses is, is at the end of his life. And he had seen and experienced visitations from God like no man had ever experienced before. He'd experienced divine manifestations of the glory of God, some, some that lasted as long as 40 days under the manifest glory of the Lord God. And at the end of his life, as he's praying and praying a blessing on the, on the tribe of Joseph, the way, what he's reminded of and what he's remembering is the God, in verse 16, the God of uh, the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. So what he's, what he's remembering, of course, what he's remembering, what is Moses remembering? He's remembering that first time he stepped in to the presence of God. That's what he's remembering. You know, this reminds me so much of, of the apostle Paul. Paul was raised in the so-called ways of the Lord. He'd been tra- taught the Bible and he'd been raised at the feet of Gamaliel. He'd been t- trained in, in, in the Old Testament law. He was an academic. He had, he had a lot of information and knowledge about God, but he did not have the knowledge of God until he had an encounter similar to Moses' encounter. He was on the road 
to Damascus, Syria. And when he was on the road to Damascus, Syria, he had an encounter. There was a light that shone from heaven. And Jesus himself was standing there and ministered to him. And Paul was struck by the light of the glory of God. And he was blinded for three days. And out of that experience, he was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost and called to be an apostle to the nations. And he was anointed, anointed to be the, the man of God that actually is the key player in the New Testament, in the establishment of Christianity in the Gentile world as we know it today. It came out of an encounter with God. All throughout Paul's life, he talked about that encounter. That was always right at the tip of his tongue. Always the next thing he was going to go into was, I want to tell you about what happened to me when I was on the road to Damascus. This is how it was with Moses as well. This was always there. Moses could never, ever forget his testimony. He could never forget what it was like when he walked into the glorious atmosphere on that bush. He was, there he was that day. It was just another normal, ordinary day. Going to work like he had for the last 40 years. He was expecting nothing to be different that particular day. And he was out there watching the sheep that day. He noticed something he had never seen before. He saw this bush that was on fire in the wilderness. And as he approached that bush, he stepped into an atmosphere, a presence like something he had never experienced before. Suddenly, he stepped into the holies. He stepped into the glory. He stepped into the anointing. He stepped into the very manifest presence of God himself. The glory of God was there. And Moses found himself there face to face with the Almighty God. And God began to speak into Moses' life. Moses, Moses, take the shoes from off your feet. You're on holy ground. And Moses stepped into not just a a one-time experience, but he stepped into a new life that day. The rest of Moses' life would be defined by those few moments or those, however long it was, those minutes that he spent talking to God in that bush. He could never be the same. His life was marked. The glory of God was on him. He had a testimony. He had the testimony of Jesus and his life. And he began to carry it all the days of his life. Do you have a testimony? If, it, if you do, if you had an encounter with God, stir it up, my friends. Stir up the testimony of Jesus. Remind yourself often. Think often about that great day when God came to you and revealed himself to you. Talk about it. Think about it. Tell your friends about it. Witness about it. It's the most powerful thing you can share with anybody. It's how Jesus came to you. He is he, the God in the bush to you. My bush happened to be a Mardi Gras fountain at the lakefront in New Orleans. If you, you could go over there today and you'd never encounter God probably in a million years in the Mardi Gras fountain. They had all these, these deities. They have Zeus and Jupiter and, and Diana and all these other deities that they're glorifying around the Mardi Gras fountain. But in the midst of the Mardi Gras fountain, the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords stepped into my life and revealed himself to me. It's been my testimony for the last 40 years that Christ came into my life and he changed me. 
Now everything, you know, from that day, Moses began to experience the supernatural in his life. He, brought, he went back from that with the, with the hand of God upon his life. He went back to, to, to Egypt and he went back to bring deliverance. He came to bring deliverance to the sons and daughters of Abraham. God had given them a word 400 years that they would serve Egypt for 400 years and that God would bring them out. And Moses went to fulfill that prophecy. And the Lord told him, he said, I am the Lord your God I brought, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage, out of the house of slavery. The children of Israel had fallen into slavery. They were slaves. They were enslaved by the Egyptians. They lived their life in bondage. It was a type and a shadow of what's happened to all of mankind. The first 21 years of my life, I was a slave. I was a slave of sinfulness. I was a slave of my sinful passions. I was a slave of the power of sin that works in the children of disobedience. There was nothing I could do. I knew the lifestyle I was living was wrong, but I did not have the ability or the power to break the bondages, the chains from off of my neck. I was enslaved and there was nothing I could do about it. The the Egyptians were enslaved and there was nothing they could do about it until the Lord God came through Moses and brought deliverance to them and they were delivered from this slavery in Egypt. You have been delivered. You've been more than just forgiven by the power of God. Your sins have been forgiven. Oh yeah, but, but by the testimony of Jesus, you've been delivered from the house of bondage. You no longer have to suffer under bondage and slavery to sin. You are liberated, no longer bound by alcoholism, no longer bound by adultery and immorality and debauchery, no longer bound by by conniving and stealing and bitterness and animosity, no longer bound by the pleasures of this world, set free by the power of God. So Moses, when he was reminding himself about this God who revealed himself to him in the bush, he was thinking back over the years of what God had done. God has delivered us from slavery. He also remembered how God met them from the first day they left Egypt the first day after they stepped out of the Red Sea until the day that they stepped into the Jordan River for 40 years. Every day, the Lord met them supernaturally with his provision. It says in Deuteronomy 8.3, so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every day for those 40 years, they looked to God for their provision and God rained manna from the sky. Every day supernaturally it covered the ground and they went and gathered their food up. God provided for them. God will supply for you no matter what the circumstances are. If you'll look to him, it's not automatic. It's not automatic just because you prayed a prayer at some point in your life. It's for those who depend upon him, those who look to him, those who walk with this one who lives in the bush. Those who carry this testimony of Jesus. Those who say, I will choose to live my life in his hand and in his care rather than to live my life with the pleasures of Egypt. Moses had to decide to come out of Egypt, come out of bondage, come out of the world. 
Come out of the world, my friend. Come out of the worldly living and the worldly lifestyle. Come out of depending on the world. Come out of depending on your own self and trust in the Lord your God with all your hearts. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will supply your need. He will meet you in every moment and every, every, every turn, twist and turn in your life. So Moses remembered how. Oh yeah, God met us. He delivered us from slavery. He, he met us and he provided for us. He remembered when they, they were at that water, the water that was poisonous. And the Lord spoke to him a word and said, Moses, I want you to go and take a, cut this tree down and throw this tree into the waters. This tree was a type of another tree that would be thrown into the poison waters of this world. This tree was a type of Calvary. And he threw that tree into the waters and the waters turned sweet and the Lord said to him if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes I will put none of the diseases on on you which I've brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you he revealed himself to to Moses and the children of Israel in that incident is Jehovah Rapha I am the Lord who heals you Jesus is this Jehovah Rapha. Jesus is the Lord, our healer. You open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and on every page of these four gospels, you're gonna find the healing virtue of Jesus of Nazareth. Healing the blind, healing the deaf, healing the lame, healing those whose blood, was, who, whose blood need to be cleansed, healing those that had inward problems and outward problems, the paralyzed, those with, with incurable internal diseases, those that had gone through accidents. He healed them all by the touch of his hands. Our Lord Jesus has never changed. This new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant. If he healed under the time of Moses, how much more will he heal now under this new covenant, under the blood and under the power of Jesus Christ? He's thrown the tree into the poisonous waters. We can look to him. We can live our life depending on him. And we can recognize, Lord God, yes, you are the Lord who appeared to me in the bush. You've brought me out of the house of bondage. I'm not going to live bound by Egypt anymore. Lord Jesus, you've brought me out and you've supplied for me every day. I eat from your hand in the, in the times of prosperity. In the lean times, I eat from your hand because you are the God who provides all of my needs. And Lord, you are the Lord who heals my body. You bore my infirmities and you bore my diseases. And Lord, one day, one day since you've purchased this body, one day I'm going to put on my permanent body. Whoa! One day the trumpet blast is going to sound. The dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. It's the blessed hope. I hope it's your hope. If you thought about it recently, it might come soon. It might come this week. It might come this month. It might come this year. It might come this decade. The trumpet blast of God. The return of Christ. Have you made your preparations for that day? Oh, yeah. Victory over their enemies. He's thinking about all they've gone through. This is the, he's about to finish his race. He's the God who re- revealed himself in the bush. He's, I've had enemies in my lifetime. Moses thought, yeah, I stood before the most powerful man in the world and he hated me. I was raised in his house to be his heir. 
And I was, I was defying him and I was bringing out his means of prosperity. His three million slaves were coming out and he was going to destroy us. And I withstood him to his face and my God met me and my God brought the land of Egypt to its knees. He delivered their wealth into our hands and he brought us out and he's bringing us in to a new promised land. This is the Lord God who defeats all of our enemies, no matter who they are, no matter how big they are, no matter how strong they are. Unafraid, Moses, unafraid. Unafraid because he was walking with the one who had been in the bush. You know, I was thinking about this this week. I put it in one of my blogs. Once you've trembled before Almighty God, it's impossible to tremble before man. No longer afraid because you've seen what can man do to me. I'm in the hands of this incredible Almighty God, what can this created man, no matter how big he is and how strong he thinks he is, if I'm in the plan of God and if God's directed my steps, what man can stop me? Who can separate me from the love of God? Who can stop the plan of God for my life from being fulfilled? Nothing, no weapon formed against me will prosper. So thinking, thinking about this, he's this last moment, so then he begins to reflect on the visitations that he's had. When he was coming out of Egypt that day, and he was coming out of Egypt that day, and Pharaoh was coming to chase, and he changed his mind. He got his whole army. Pharaoh was leading his army, the most powerful army of that day with their chariots and weapons, chasing the slaves down. They had them cornered. They had them hemmed in by the Red Sea, and suddenly the glory of God appeared. The glory, the manifest glory of God, the cloud of his glory appeared. And this cloud of his glory didn't leave, it stayed and led them for the next 40 years. It appeared the first time when Pharaoh's army was coming to hem them in and trap them in. And it says, if you read the passage, Exodus 14, 19, the angel of God, the Old Testament that's talking about Jesus Christ himself. The angel of God went before the camp of Israel and moved and went behind them. Jesus was walking before them. Then Jesus turned and went behind them and stood between the children of Israel and Pharaoh. Pharaoh had no chance. Absolutely no chance. The captain of the Lord's army was blocking him. He sent a wind and the Red Sea split and the children of Israel went through. He sent another wind and it closed and drowned the entire leading army of the world in a moment of time. He remembered those times, but still to him, still to Moses when he thought about that. No, he's still the God who appeared to me in the bush. And then he remembered that day when the Lord called him up on Mount Sinai and he went up and the, the power of God fell on that mountain. It was so strong that the mountain began to quake. An earthquake was turned, the mountain itself shaking under the power of God. The glory of God came down and Moses was in that cloud and God began to, to write with his own hand the 10 laws, the 10 commandments that was gonna be the foundation to build society. The Jewish society and Western civilization were built on those 10 words that Moses received from the cloud of God's presence that day. Unbelievable. You know, today, 
Today, the church world is trying to throw out some of the simplest. It doesn't take a genius to understand, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, it's people, you know, Christians are saying, well, you know, well, I had, we had someone recently come up and ask us just a week ago, oh, well, it's, it's okay if, we, if neither one of these two Christians are married, isn't it okay then for them to have, have what? Of course, sex. Isn't it okay if they're, they're not married, it's not adultery then? Well, let, rather than answer the question, because, you know, people are crazy, let me just read, let me just read one scripture. I'll read a scripture and give you a couple of definitions. Hebrews 13, 4. It says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. See, marriage between one man and one woman was created by God. And for man and woman to satisfy one another's physical needs that God created. We were, we were created by God to need one another and to be satisfied in the arms of a man or a woman in holy matrimony. It's instituted by God. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But listen to this. But fornicators, uh uh-oh, and adulterers, God will judge. Now, the only, only commentary we need, what is an adulterer? Someone that has sex with when one of the two parties are married. That's adultery. What's fornication? When neither party is married and they're having sex with each other, but they're not married to each other, they're not married to anybody, they're just having sex. I was like, you're getting quiet in here. These are not the rules of Victory Fellowship, my friends. These are not my private interpretation. No, you can't. You cannot, and I've got a word for you. Put a ring on it, that's what I've got a word for you. It might not be economically the right decision to make. Make it anyway. Lots of times God tells us to do things that the world says is not financially the right thing to do. Do it anyway and your conscience will be cleared and you won't have the judgment of God on you. So the Ten Commandments, he remembered that day when the glory came down. The glory came down, the glory came down, and he began to give a word. You know, today, we live under a new and better covenant. The glory of God has come down on us. When Moses came from that mountain that day, they had to put a veil over his face. His face was shining with the glory of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, today we come with unveiled faces. The veil's been ripped off in Christ and we're staring into the glory of Almighty God. And he said he's in the Old Testament, he wrote those words on tables of stone. But today he's written that word in our hearts. He's written his word in our hearts. No one had to tell me when I got born again that I needed to keep my life straight. No one even had to tell me to stop smoking weed. No one told me to stop buying Boone's Farm. It just came natural. It was part of what happened to me. No one told me, no one put the rules on me. Somebody put something in my heart. Not only was I forgiven, I was changed. I was changed. You're being changed. If you'll yield to God, if you don't harden your hearts, 
If you don't harden your heart, you'll be changed and you'll enjoy your life better. You'll be satisfied. You won't have a guilty conscience and you'll be able to stand before Almighty God and enjoy Him with a pure and holy heart. The Lord appeared to him in the tabernacle. Oh yeah, he would come into the tabernacle of Moses. The Lord instructed him to build this tabernacle and the glory of God would come into the holiest of all on top of the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was offered and Moses would come and meet with God and God would speak to him face to face. The cloud would come down and the voice of the Lord would speak out of the clouds. Oh yeah, God spoke to him time and time and time again of this visitation of God. But still, after all those times he met with God and God met him and God answered him and God strengthened him. Still, at the end of his life, he was still the God who dwelt in the bush. The Lord appeared. This, this um, last is, is he, Exodus 34. I love this. Moses, you know, like we've done, show me your glory, show me your glory. It's it's what Moses was doing. He was crying out to God. He had experienced the glory, but he knew there was more. God's an infinite God, and you'll never, even in heaven, on your best day, you'll never see all there is of God because it's going to be an unveiling of his glory for eternity, and there'll never be a time when you can say, I've seen it all because it's impossible to see all of this infinite God. He's beyond comprehension. That's what heaven will be. Heaven, the definition of heaven, is the eternal revelation of the pleasures of God. That's what it is. Pleasure beyond anything your mind can wrap around. Pleasures evermore. Moses knew he had tasted some. He had tasted some stuff and he knew there was more. Anyone that's tasted God, oh, they're satisfied, but he births a holy dissatisfaction in you that says there's got to be more. I need more, God. Thank you for what you've done. I thank you that you've delivered me from the house of bondage. And I thank you, Lord, that you fed me and nurtured me, but I know there's more. Show me your glory. That's where Moses went. The Lord said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pass over you, Moses, but you can't see my face. You know, the face of God is Jesus. It's not time for you to see my face, but I'm going to pass over you, and I'm going to, I'm going to cover you with my hand, and when, and when I pass by, you'll see my hinder parts as I go by on the mountain. He said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. Woo! The cleft of the rock, the the wounds of Jesus, the, the pierced stone, the stone that's been pierced for us, his hands pierced for us, his feet pierced for us, his side pierced for us, his brow pierced for us. Hide me away in the cleft of the rock, hidden away in God. That's who I am. That's who Moses was. Lord, take me out of this world. Hide me away in the cliff of the rock. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Take me into your glory, Lord. Says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome and terrible God. 
awesome. He's awesome to those who drink from his cup of grace and terrible to those who reject his mercy and try to go their own way and live their own life. Sadly, that's what our culture has been doing in in my generation. We've been turning our hearts away from the Lord as a culture, as a society. We've been gradually turning our hearts away from the Lord, and his grace is lifting off of our lands. We're in a dangerous place, my friends. We're in a dangerous place. It's not political change that's needed. It's not a new election that's needed. It's a visitation. It's a transformation of the hearts of our people. God, visit us again like you visited the children of Israel in their days of slavery. Lord, in their darkest moment when they were without hope and without a chance. Without hope and without a chance, you visited them and came to them. Lord, would you come again? Would you come, Lord, with times of visitation, times of renewal, times of refreshing, times of transformation? Lord, would you grant repentance beginning with your house, with your church. Grant repentance, Lord God. Grant us the ability to change and turn our hearts toward heaven. Grant us repentance as the people of God. Would you give us that gift today? Have you asked the Lord for that gift lately? Lord, would you give me the gift of repentance that I can change? That I can change? You know, some of you, the words that Courtney was sharing earlier, up here early might have sounded like foreign words to you. And she's a worship leader. She's a minister. And she's talking about her sinfulness. Some of you really need to talk about your sinfulness. There's some stuff that needs to come out of your life. And I'm telling you, if, you'll, if you will turn from your wicked ways, God will heal you. He will, he will heal you. He'll restore you. He'll love you. He will bless you. He will bless you. He'll bless your finances. He'll bless your home. He'll bless your circumstances. Turn your hearts toward him. Root out compromise in your life. It's time for transformation. It's time for repentance. It's time. He says in Acts 3, he he says in Acts chapter 3, when he's talking about these times of visitation, it's the apostle Peter prophesying. He's prophesying. In in Jerusalem, prophesying about the visitations of God that are coming on the land. And this is what he says. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he might send Jesus Christ. He's preaching about the last revival and the return of Christ, that he might send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Lord Jesus, shamaste God. Lord, change us. Show us your glory, Lord God. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.